Hey, everybody. This is Adam, co-host of this podcast. Don't skip this. It is not an ad. I'm just dropping in to let you know that this episode was originally recorded and released way, way back in January of 2017. The eighth episode of Pretty Scary ever. Back then, it was a subscriber-only episode, but now we're releasing it for all to hear. Why? Because there have been lots and lots of updates to the stories we talk about here, and with the topic in general in the years since this was recorded. If you're listening to this for free, keep your ears peeled for a huge update about halfway through. If you're listening on Patreon or Supercast, you're getting all sorts of updates that are strictly for subscribers. Just so many updates, you have no idea. But hey, no matter how you're listening, please know that we appreciate you greatly. Thanks, we love you. Let's get to the show. What's the show we're on? Pretty scary. <gasps> Pretty scary boo. Good Ooh. job. I remembered this time. Yeah. I'm back at it. You're back in business. Back in the New York groove. I'm Carrie Martin. I am Caitlin Cut. And I'm Adam Todd Brown. Burr, burr, burr. Not to be confused with just Adam Brown from The um, Hobbit. There's a guy named Hab- Adam Brown who's really? an actor in The Hobbit. Did not know that. Yeah. I'll kill him someday. Is that why you had the Todd? Uh, No, I've the actually... Todd. I'm going to start calling him the Todd. I've never asked you why. I guess I've never wondered why, but now I'm wondering why. I kind of always have. I mean, once I started writing online, I went by all three names just because I have such a boring name. It makes me easier to Google. Do people when you were younger, did people call you by your first and last name or was it just Adam? They would just call me Adam because I got Caitlin cut all the time. Oh, that's I was I was called that all through high school. Nobody ever just called me Caitlin. Caitlin Cut. But your name's one of those names. It is? Like you have to say it as one word. It's alliterative. Interesting. Ooh, alliterative. Mm. Finally, an idea for a tattoo. <laughs> I get I get called ATB a lot. Nope. Not calling you Yeah, don't call me I'm that. I'm not calling you that. I don't that. need that in my life. But that's, I, I don't have the wardrobe to call you that. No. No. You know? You have to. I'd have to do a lot. Black yeah. flies and a race pickup truck? Yeah. I'd need some like. Like Diane Wood haircut situation going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, ATB. No, I don't even want to finish it. No, don't, don't. It, don't. it doesn't like it. sound cool. I yeah. don't like it. The weird thing is, is that like, I remember, you know, people used to say, Caitlin never had, a, she never had a nickname. And I'd look at him and I'd say, like, you say my first and last name. That's my nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many people are called that their first and last name all the time? That's weird. Carrie Martin. Yeah. I get called that more now. Interesting. When I was, yeah, a kid. It's been my whole life. Very weird. I don't really care. It's fine. Yeah. This is so weird. It's so scary. So scary. So yeah, we're talking about unsolved rat murders today. I'm so excited about this. Guys, let me, I really need to explain something. So before the show, Adam will put notes together. And usually it's like two pages, which is a nice three pages. It's a nice swath of notes. God knows Carrie and I don't put that much together before our show ever, 
Adam had no less than, I want to say, four or five pages on unsolved rap murders. I'm so excited. Murders. I, I've never... It, I can't wait. It Literally, he poured his heart out on the screen uh, for There's all of us. There's so many... Well, for one thing, it's almost kind of beside the point to say unsolved rap murders. Yeah. Because there are no solved rap murders. If you're a rapper and you get murdered... Nobody's telling anybody right? No one's going to ever find out what happened. No. Because snitches dig ditches. Oh, yeah, that's or get stitches. stitches. Whoa, guys. Or I lose bitches. Oh, they, they actually yeah. would. Yeah, they would. I'm just, just literally, they would just lose by bitches. associative properties, they would lose their bitches. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I was able to, to jump on that one. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, walking into this topic, I thought I had like a really like kind of un, unmanicured thought about it, which is like, well, there are more missing black men than any other population in America. <laughs> Yeah. So there's just, there's that. Like, so we'll just table that. So out of all of the artistic groups that are most likely to have unsolved murders, I don't want to marginalize anybody here, but I'm just saying that well, yeah. this was going to be a thing. But then I read all of this and there are far more acrobatics involved than I have ever. Yeah. There's lots of twists and turns. Yeah. In it's, stories. Yeah. I feel like we just got to kind of start. Why don't you get us going here? Well, the first one I want to talk about is Scott LaRock. He was the DJ and producer for a pioneering rap group called Boogie Down Productions. It's a great uh, name. Great BDP. name. BDP Posse. Uh, their first album was called Criminal Minded, and it was it is a stone cold classic. He's on the cover, and it's the only album he's on the cover of because he was murdered. Right. And what's interesting about him, he. Uh, didn't come from your regular rapper background. He grew up in the South Bronx, but his mom moved him out and into a house in a nicer area. He went to school. He became a social worker, but also a DJ, as one does. Sure. But that was back when DJing was new. So he was yeah. relatively a pioneer. Did no. you watch the half-hour documentary? Yeah, but DJ, I, they were wrong about that. Well, not at this at the time he was, or maybe the way they DJed because it said like the two turntables, the ones and the twos. That right, that was right. new, and then everyone started getting into this new thing like rap music and hip hop, which they said that it didn't have a label before. Right, right. I've, then, I've literally felt I've never felt this unqualified to to add to a conversation in my entire. It's life. the quietest you've been. It will probably be the most. Yeah, we speak to each other. I just want to. I just yeah. want to say this, like I. Because I sound like the lady that the man marries and then cheats on. I sound like the whitest woman in the world. So I feel like an asshole being like, oh, I know all these things about rap and <laughs> black men die. Like, I don't. Uh, Caitlin, tell us about rappers. Yeah, I don't know anything about rap. But Caitlin fucking cut. That's me. Caitlin fucking cut. You look great. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, he, he was a social worker and he actually uh -huh. met KRS-One, who is one of the uh, biggest legends in rap while uh, his real name's Chris Parker. I'm not going to call him KRS-One through this whole thing. I'm That's exhausting. You can. You call him fucking grown up. Be exhausting. Sounds like a radio station. Yeah. Uh, he met Chris Parker while he, while he was living at a homeless shelter that uh, Scott LaRock worked at. Uh, so that's a cool story, just to set the stage. Really nice guy. He is a really nice guy. Was a very yeah. sweet guy. He and was a is great dude. Like a testament to his mother's, you know, determination to get her kid into a great space and a good frame of mind. It's a very sad. These are yeah. all very sad, by the way. Very the dad sad. Dad wasn't around. No. Right. No. And uh, 
that background is kind of what got him killed, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened is another member of Boogie Down Productions, uh, D. Nice, who at that time had to be like 14 or something. He was yeah, he super was, fucking young. Yeah. He got in a scuffle because he was talking to someone's girlfriend and they didn't like it. So they roughed him up. And uh, Scott LaRock had this idea that he was going to go talk to these people and just try to smooth the situation out because he's a social worker. And that's what he does. He talks people through their problems. That is not what social workers do. But well, you know, I'm just saying they do find people that live there and then they start rap productions with them. They do that. Obviously, every social worker I know has a side rap project. Yes. A side hustle, if you will. Mm -hmm. A Uh, side hustle. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just, th- I, what my point is, is that he was doing this cause he's a nice guy. Not because, yeah. not because he's got skills as a social worker. That's right, not, it's right. not your job as a social worker right. to be like guys. But in the article they had mentioned, oh, he's got a social worker background and that's what kind of brought him yeah. to this situation. But yeah. yeah, you're right. He just seemed like a nice he's guy. He's just a nice guy doing yeah. this. Like, he went, he went there being, a with the idea of being a peacemaker. So sure. D nice would feel comfortable walking through this neighborhood again where he'd been assaulted. But then, but then, so, so they, um, agree to go talk to these guys and Scott LaRock, uh, unfortunately goes with a whole group of people, including, uh, the bodyguard, which don't you have to be kind of famous to have a bodyguard first? Like their first album hadn't even come out yet. And but is that like, when they call each other cousin, but they're not related. Yeah. I mean, was he I really mean, a bodyguard? Be. They were, however, getting ready to play Madison Square Garden in a few days. Yes. And that's why they had warned him not like, hey, you don't need to get involved in this petty nonsense. And he did anyway. Right. But I feel like saying that he already had a bodyguard means that he probably shouldn't have gone to play conflict mediator. Right, or so, at least don't bring your muscle with you if you're not planning I'm, well, a fight. I'm just saying, like, if he needed a bodyguard, it's one thing to say, like, why does he need a bodyguard? Because, I mean, that's there. That's That, that premise is there. But yeah. he had one. So yeah. I wouldn't casually go out and get a bodyguard. I, I would be like, was, oh, I somebody tried to kill me. Should I get a bodyguard? <laughs> I think it was like, he was like a general bodyguard for the group. Not, sure, but they needed, the point is, is that, they, yeah. for whatever well, reason. Well, they lived in the south. It. Most of them lived in the South Bronx, so right. you want some kind of protection. I still would like to see his qualifications. Yeah, and I'm still I'm sure it's not like an official bodyguard. It's, he, it's not like they brought Kevin Costner. Well, they with said them. pretty much as soon good as bodyguard they, reference, guys. Movie Whitney now, Houston, yeah, rest yes. in peace. Kevin Costner also rest in peace. Kevin <laughs> Costner someday, not dead. someday. <laughs> and I wish you joy. <laughs> My name is not Susan. That was not in that movie. <laughs> no. Was yours in that movie? No, but that was... That was from the Whitney Houston album, I'm Your Baby Tonight. <laughs> and I, There we go. We'll that movie. Love you. If I yeah, never hear that song again for the rest of my life, I'll be fine. Like, I, I could yeah. go forever with never hearing that. It's a great one performance. Of the ones who would clean the house and put it on repeat. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So they show up. With this group of associates, they go to the Highbridge Homes Projects, which is where the people who assaulted D-Nice were living, and they have a meeting, and it was supposed to be peaceful, but it turned into a fight right away. Clearly. But still fine. They get out of there alive. They're they're all leaving, going back to the Jeep. And then, I don't think I put this in the notes, but uh, 
well, not all the details, but uh, as they're getting back into the Jeep, someone starts shooting at them from the roof of the building, which this was a 17-story building. Yeah. And they're shooting at them with a 22. Yeah. Which is almost like throwing a small rock at someone. Yeah. Like, at that distance, that bullet should, like, the wind could blow it away. Like, anything could happen. And they hit Scott LaRock in the fucking head. They, they were peppering bullets into the Jeep, and Scott LaRock takes two to the dome. But when they get to the hospital, he's still up and talking, and everyone thinks, oh, well, this is no. fine. We're going to go around the corner to this diner and wait for his surgery, and then we'll come back, and he'll be fine. No. He died like an hour later. Yeah. Sad. That's Very a, sad. It's just a sad story. And it also sounds like a crime that should be easy to solve, because you you have multiple witnesses, which this is definitely going to be a running theme through all of these murders. Right. Multiple witnesses. Someone, if they don't know who specifically did the shooting, they at least know the group of people involved. Yeah. And in this case, two people were arrested and went on trial, but nobody would testify or talk to the police, including the friends of Scott LaRock, who were also shot at. No one would... would give any testimony that helped the police. It's So these two guys who were arrested uh, were acquitted. It's the least that D-Nice could have done. Yeah, you would think. I mean, it was because of him. If I were him, I would feel awful forever. Yes. I mean, what are yes. the chances? And, and then, uh, to be honest, the people on the roof shooting were probably doing it as warning shots, trying yeah. not to really kill somebody, knowing they didn't have a super high-power rifle. And why do you... Show up to a gunfight in one of those Jeeps with, like, the pleather top. Yeah, they like, had the fiberglass top on the right? Jeep. It's like, don't. I feel like, I mean, you just never know. It's, I just think that it's a situation. It's just, a, it's so far away from the way I see things or understand things. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't think that when people stand on top of a building and fire shots down to a group of people that I think they're so jacked up on adrenaline or something else. They're not thinking about the consequences of that situation and, and, and not to generalize, but you're dealing on like trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. So these, you know, you just, you just do shit like that. Like people just do things like that. And the only thing they have is to just, well, we're not going to say anything, which is like, that's the rule. Like, yeah, that really is the rule. The one thing that you can't do is say anything nice about the cops or talk to the cops because, It, and that relationship, this is the 80s in New York, right? Yeah. Th- this is a whole yes. other... I that's, Whole other world. It's a whole other episode of this show, actually, because we yeah. could talk a lot about that. Yeah, a lot about New York in the 80s. That yeah, was... I mean, so it's... They had... Yeah, that's... It's a sad... This one made... This is the... I would say this is the saddest one that you yeah. tossed in our Yeah, direction. yeah, this is... Because this is a good guy. And he was a father. Yeah. Well, like he well had I mean, a there's... Young know. baby. Yeah. So, let's talk about Big L underground rap legend yeah this one's really interesting he was <laughs> sorry i shot nine times in the chest and face is just one of the most brutal things i've ever read on anything it's, in my life this whole story it's is not funny it just is rough really like, brutal while standing on the street corner in harlem nine times one two three i mean jesus yeah <laughs> and what's crazy he was a legend he was really on his way to being something pretty great he had had an album or two out and his best album was on the verge of coming out. Uh, and yeah, he was shot nine times in the chest and face while standing on a street corner in Harlem. And what was interesting was at first, 
everyone thought it was a case of mistaken identity because he had no known enemies. Okay. And it makes sense because yeah. it, it turns out that the person who everyone believes shot him was his childhood friend, a man named Gerard Woodley. And at the time this killing happened, Gerard Woodley was taken into custody, but he was released because, of course, no witnesses None. were willing to say anything. And there was no evidence. So for years, no one really had any idea what happened. And it eventually started coming out that these two were both involved uh, members of a street crew. I don't know if they even call them gangs in New York. They were called uh, the NFL crew, which I assure you does not stand for National Football League. They had a Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 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 and so Gerard Woodley and Lamont Coleman, that's Big L's real name, were both members of the NFL crew. And um, according to one of the versions of the events, the this murder happened because Big L participated in a murder just a few weeks earlier. Hmm. And in that murder, a guy named Reggie, that he's only known as Reggie in these stories. The dude was killed. I'm sure we know his last name. but Nope. In all these stories, he's just Reggie. And Reggie was allegedly killed on orders from a man named Leroy Finnessy, who was Lamont Coleman. God, this is like Game of Thrones. Brother. And during that crime, it, it was alleged that Lamont Coleman placed a gold chain around Reggie's neck and said, hey, man, you look really good in that. Which this actually happens in The Wire. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. why I'm staring where, at you like this. Where I Bubbles don't... puts the red hat and he's like, take the picture. Wait, so is, I wonder. That's oddly similar. Yeah, I'm it's trying just, to think of timing. Yeah, that would. Yeah, it would make it would work out if they got that idea from this. My, my only problem was trying to think of how long ago the wire was made. I yeah, was like, it was like was mid two thousands, okay. early two thousands, something like that. Oh my god! Five zero, five zero, five zero, five zero. Yeah, he uh, according to this version of events during this crime, Big L placed a necklace on Reggie's wow. neck, and the person who shot Reggie was told that when you see someone put a, a, a gold chain around this guy's neck. That's who you're supposed to kill. That's some godfather shit, man. It really is. And as it turned out, Reggie was a really good friend of Gerard Woodley, who hmm. is the person who ended up killing Big L. They were all friends, but he was so upset that this Leroy Finnessy had ordered Reggie to be killed. He wanted to kill Leroy Finnessy, but Leroy Finnessy was in jail by then. So he was like, I'll kill Big L instead. And these are all friends. You'll do. Yeah. You'll do. And it um, then Wood, Gerard Woodley has, himself was shot and killed uh, in June of this last year, year June yeah. two thousand seven. Uh, it's two thousand seventeen, <laughs> Carrie. Get it right. Oh my god, I hate you. I'm still practicing saying two thousand seventeen on my podcasts. Fucking people How making so like those six jokes. months ago he was shot. Yeah, and thanks, Carrie. Thanks for bringing <laughs> us back. Thanks for doing the math and. <laughs> A lot of people were bothered by the fact that this other rapper named Cameron, who's actually kind of famous, mm -hmm. uh, he went to the funeral for Gerard Woodley. And Cameron and Big L were really good friends. So he was like, people were like, what the fuck, man? Why are you going to the funeral of the guy who, who killed him? And he actually ends up releasing a song explaining why he went to the funeral. And basically in this song, he, he has this verse in it where he says, uh, we started off as children. Grew up with Big L and the dude who supposedly killed him. A week before that, though, 
Big L tried to kill him. What was he to do? These are lyrics from the song. Yeah. So, yeah, basically what he's saying in this song is that, well, Big L tried to kill him a week before. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jam Master J is next. Jam Master J. Which this this one is an interesting one to me because it, it's another one where there's tons of witnesses. There were four people in the room. Four fucking people in the room in a secured building. He was in his studio in Queens, which requires you to be buzzed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so someone. what's let- the deal then? What do you mean? I just think that's... Cr- I'm sorry. I just think... Is there if you've got a what's the point in buzzing anybody in? Yeah, if they're going if they're <laughs> just, just going to shoot you in the head, God. just get rid of the buzzer. Just fuck them. If you're just going to shoot me. I'm not even going to have that buzzer at the front door. Well, the point was <laughs> the way I see it, his his personal assistant or the sec- secretary did they call them then back? She was his assistant. Is the okay. one back then? Back then is the one who buzzed who buzzed these people into the room. Fifteen years ago. Now that it's 2017, somebody needs to do a Ken Burns style recap of all of these gangster murders. Yeah, Ken Burns. Meryl Streep can read some of the letters that these associates. Obviously, there were associates of some degree were let in by the assistant Lydia. Lydia High. Who then was asked? I would bet not so kindly to get onto the floor. So these four people get buzzed in. There's a guy in the room who uh, says he was bending down to answer his phone so he didn't see the people or know how many people came in. He just heard footsteps. Nope. And apparently apparently the person who ends up shooting Jam Master J, when Jam Master J sees him, he shakes his hand and hugs him because they're friends, apparently. And then the guy just starts shooting. And he hits uh, Tony Rincon, who was the friend who was in the room once in the leg, and uh, hits Jam Master J in the back of the head and kills him. So we see a hug. Yes. We, we have an eyewitness account of a hug. But no eyewitness and, but, account of the person who shoots. But we yes. also know that the person that shot him is the giver of said hug. Correct. Or they could have heard them hugging. You know how, you know how they... <laughs> it's a very aggressive hug. It was definitely... It was a rap hug. It was, yes, exactly. You know how rap hugs, you gotta pound up? the back. Yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, hey man, how's yeah. it going? That kind of a thing. Yeah. Like a loud Like embrace. slap the back. But I just think it's oh. weird that there's a... that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, this is a strange way to say I don't know who killed him, but I know who hugged him. And yeah. then that guy yeah. I know hugged he was him. hugged. I know he was hugged, and I know the person that hugged him shot him, but I didn't see his face. Oh, we were all buzzed in also. Like, yeah, I don't... Yeah. Okay, so somebody's just... They're just not talking. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, whoever did the shooting, someone who was present chased them out of the building and shot at them, but still no idea who did the shooting. No clue. So when, when they... I'm trying to figure out, when they were buzzed in, was it just their voice, and they were like, come up, or is it... Like where they got to see them. No, I mean, it's 2002. Well, either way, if you're buzzing them in, you know. Well, I'm just saying for the police, could the police have seen that? Oh, if it was voiceover. Well, probably not. I'm assuming if there was video surveillance, they would have it. Not sure we'd be having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everything's covered up. Yeah. And this is (laughs) even though that recording exists and it's gone. Yeah. Somebody got rid of that buzzer recording. Yes. Like we said earlier, all of these murders involve several witnesses who just mysteriously saw nothing. But this is the weirdest one to me because they're everyone's in a small room together. 
Right. Somebody saw something. Well, that's what I, they saw a hug. Yeah. And if you read Heard interviews with people who live in the area, like there's there's the MTV did a really detailed three part article on this killing, which I know MTV, right? MTV dot com. God, they've been trying for so long. Yeah. The beast, they, had, they had Kurt Loder forever, too. They did. They really wanted to be like a legit news site. Yeah. They were trying so hard in the 90s to pivot towards that for whatever fucking reason. And then the real world ruined everything. Yeah. Real world killed it. Specifically, <laughs> it was the real world Hawaii that ruined everything. If you if you want to talk to Chuck Klosterman, he'd agree with me. So yeah, MTV did a really detailed three part article about the killing of Jam Master J. And if you read that, there's all these people who live in the neighborhood who are like, we know who killed him. Like everyone knows who killed him. If we know, the police know. But there's no one willing to come forth who was in that room to just say, yes, this is the person who did it. I saw them do it. So that is singularly the missing link, then, specifically, right? Because you can't, other than that, it's all circumstantial. Right. And what's crazy is it's all friends of his, like friends and associates. Some of the people suspected of killing him are friends. Like, it's a really dark story. I dare say that rappers have frenemies. Well, yeah, I think that's been established here pretty firmly. I think you're right. I think you crystallized it into one statement, and I think you're accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... I, it seems like alliances are hard, strong, and shift very quickly. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, and this, uh, like all of the other uh, stories on this list, there's tons of theories, but the best one is that this killing might have been the re- result of a 50-cent song. How rough is that yeah of all the rappers to die for 50 cent 50 cent when you put it that way yeah his name is 50 cent yeah not like a million dollars yeah 50 cent cent. that's it that's who took me out at the end of the day yeah so the shot nine times 50 cent is that connected to this situation as well it is 50 cent uh before he was as well known as he is now released a song called ghetto quran which that's a hard that's a that's a bold name for very bold anything taking on a lot of a lot of trigger words there. Two the, big ones. Two two huge ones. Stresses me out. The whole yeah. episode so far yeah. has. I'm a stressed out person. It's gonna get so much worse. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's been very stressful for me. I read your notes. I'm yeah. very worried. Anyway, we're gonna yeah. Uh, according to this one theory, uh, Fifty Cent recorded that song, and if you listen to the song, he names several New York drug dealers by name. 20 to 30. Yeah, 20 to 30. He talks Crazy. about He talks about the things Badass. they did. Like he even goes so far as to say this guy was the business, this guy was the killer, like Yeah, like, here are the he vocations. really gives all the details. Oh my god. And this really famous drug kingpin from New York named uh Supreme, they call him. His I forget his first name. His last name's McGriff. Kenneth. Kenneth. Supreme Kenneth McGriff. Supreme McGriff. Was if you listen to, uh, you'll hear a lot of times in rap songs, Nas brings them up a lot, but you'll hear about the Supreme Team. And the Supreme Team was a drug dealing outfit in New York in the 80s. And Kenneth McGriff was the head of that organization. I and, seriously thought all those references were just to the Supremes. Yeah. Well, Kenneth, it is. No, the, it is. The singing group. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So he's. I thought you were actually giving me credit for a second, and then I, I was like, "Man, I have to like knock him down a peg just for giving me." And then I realized that you weren't, so everything's fine. <laughs> I uh, almost rented 
a little person once named Five Cent. You rented a little person? Mm-hmm. How? You can do that? Tinyentertainment.com. Jesus wow. Christ. Now it's real. Yeah. I've seen the pictures. Of the Why whole haven't we done a podcast on that? We can. I could probably have them come in. Can you get one of them killed so we have something to talk about? <laughs> yes. I feel like you got really attached or he got attached to you. He Maybe got you attached. Need, you need to think of a different person to bring in on that one. Unless you are looking for that step. I like that life. he just got so defensive. No, he he was the one who was yeah, into me. Like, I wasn't Whoa. into him. <laughs> Caitlin, okay, geez. I want to be clear. So yeah, the Kenneth McGriff um, allegedly was upset about this song, as drug dealers get, I suppose, when you put all of their details on the streets. Not the thing to do. Not the thing to do. And this is apparently why, according to legend, why 50 Cent was shot nine times, eight, nine, eight times? Nine, nine times, because nine there was an in- industry-wide boycott, and well, Master J just recorded with him. Well, no, the song was why 50 Cent was shot, but then after that song came out, this uh, Kenneth McGriff kind of, like you said, instituted a boycott and was like, no one's allowed to work with 50 Cent. And Jam Master J did, and one of the theories around his murder is that that's why he was killed, because he worked with 50 Cent when you weren't supposed to. Crazy. Yeah. There was also stupid. two other people who were friends, Curtis Schoon for a debt owed, and then also Randy Allen, uh, who was a friend of his, and then disappeared afterwards, who they say took out a life insurance policy yeah. on him, which you will find out at some point. No, I'm just, I can't believe your notes actually ended up being very helpful tonight. And yeah, I'm no so, problem. I love you. What? Because You're you surprised? <laughs> you can edit that out if you want, but I am in shock. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's talk about the life insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, one of the people who was present at the time of the shooting was a lifelong friend of Jam Master Jay. A man named Randy Allen, who was there to work on music with Jam Master J. Which I, I feel like his name sounds like a country star. Yeah, it does. I'm not, does. I'm not feeling rap from Randy Allen. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he she don't love you no more. He was a lifelong friend of Jam Master J, and one of the rumors is that he took out a life insurance policy. Which uh, red by, flag. Yeah. Red. By the way, if either of you ever take out a life insurance and policy on me, we have beef. We're gonna. That's we? gonna get settled. So yeah, lots of theories. That's a, but I feel like the the boycott one makes sense to me. But even more so in conjunction with the life insurance policy, I yeah, feel like you maybe. can layer these two on top of each other, and you don't it, you don't take away yeah. from either. Yeah, maybe the friend could have the friend could have been like, oh, you're working with Fifty Cent. Okay, I'll be back. I have an appointment. What if? Okay, so here's my just Caitlin theory about this. What if they all knew that? that he had the life insurance policy out on him and they all cashed out and that's why nobody's saying anything. Yeah, that could be. Did it pay out? And never said. It did. I mean... Yeah, there's no reason it wouldn't have. All right. Time for an update. And this one is for everybody because, you see, in a development I'd argue absolutely nobody saw coming, the authorities actually made an arrest in this case. In 2020, a full 18 years after the fact. And, as it turns out, the theories that had been floated up to this point, the ones we mentioned in this episode, completely incorrect. We are sorry for anyone we identified as a potential murderer. If the cops are to be believed, the death of Jam Master J was the result of a cocaine deal gone awry. According to court papers, two men, 
Ronald Washington, and Carl Jordan Jr. broke into Jay's studio at around 7.30 p.m. on October 30th, 2002. Washington forced someone inside the studio to the ground, presumably the aforementioned receptionist, and at the same time, Jordan fired a bullet into Jam Master Jay's head, killing him instantly. And why? Well, again, according to court documents, the allegation is that all three men were involved in a multi-kilogram, multi-state narcotics transaction. In July 2002, just a few months before the murder, Jam Master Jay, real name Jason Mazel, had received 10 kilos of cocaine on consignment from a supplier in Maryland. Mazel, Washington, and Jordan were supposed to be partners in the deal, but some sort of undisclosed dispute happened, which ended with Mazel threatening to cut the other two out of the deal. And because of that, they fucking killed him. If that's all true, this is an outcome that is somehow equal parts completely shocking and not shocking at all. It's not shocking because, hey, sometimes drug deals end this way. It's a bummer but it's a fact of life. What makes this shocking, though, is that of all the rappers and rap groups who talk so much about selling drugs in their songs, Run DMC, the group Jam Master Jay was a member of, never did. Their songs were about shoes and girls and being cool and hanging out with Aerosmith. They never rapped about this kind of thing. But also, this is kind of the only explanation that makes sense. More sense than getting murdered for working with 50 Cent. Anyway, no one's murdered Eminem or Dr. Dre yet, you know? And they super duper work with 50 Cent. There were never any reports of any cash or valuables being taken from the scene, so clearly it wasn't a robbery. So this explanation does make sense. And apparently these two have been suspects in the murder since way back when it happened. It's just that no one was willing to actually identify them to the police. That seems to have changed. A New York Times article about the arrest says two people have been cooperating with authorities in the case, which that raises a whole new mystery for me. Because why now? What changed that made people finally want to cooperate? What changed that made the police want to start investigating this again? I hate to be cynical and or conspiratorial. I mean, I don't actually hate that. I love both of those things very much. But do you think it has anything to do with the police very seriously needing to rehab their image right now? Like, as hopeful as I am that the timing is just coincidental, I'm also reminded that police love to say stuff like, there's no such thing as coincidences when they're interviewed about crimes they coerced people into confessing to. So, sorry if I'm hesitant to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Also, there's a sad twist here in that most of his extended family didn't live to see this outcome. Jam Master Jay's brother died in 2018, as did his sister, and then his mom died in 2019. And... The fact that Jam Master Jay had to turn to selling cocaine to stay afloat after a decades-long career that yielded multiple hit songs and albums is an unpleasant reminder that a lot of our entertainment legends entered into shady contracts that left them with nothing to show for their work. That's actually something Jay was quoted as saying to his brother shortly before he died, that he had nothing to show for all those years of work. And... This is how it all ended. So it's great that this case might finally be solved, but the details have only gotten sadder over the years. Anyway, back to the show. Hey. 
Anyway, I'm glad we came back to where we're so at now. So our last two, speaking of conspiracy theories. Our last theory. two, yeah, we have, of course, I mean, we we can't not put Notorious Big and Tupac on the list. But the thing about those two is if you don't know the circumstances behind those deaths. By now, you will never, never, never know them. Seriously, though. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Read a fucking book. Anywhere. Watch something on Netflix. I but you okay? I do want. I want to give Adam some credit here because I think Carrie and I were both surprised when I saw them on the, this giant list that Adam has made. I was like, Jesus. Okay, fine. Of course, I guess we have to go over these. Yeah, so we're going through the for we're going through big, and I'm like, okay, I know, I know, I know. Okay, yeah, no, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Then we get to Tupac, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, we. Yeah, let's just skip to it because everyone, for what, the, if you want to know the theories, go was, watch uh, Biggie and Tupac. Okay. There's a movie called that. Right, There's a he book was at, called Labyrinth. He was read. at the Auto Museum. He, he went got out. Shot. He got he got stuck in L.A. traffic. Got yeah. shot by a guy in a bow tie. Did pick up from that. Yeah, that, from the, your fabulous notes. Did not know the guy was wearing a bow tie. I'll give yeah. you that. Had no idea. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, really, it's kind. Of, well, it's a fancy murderer. Yeah. Again, though, interesting detail. Who should dress up for the job they want? Probably a Nation of Islam guy. They wear. Oh, wow. that makes sense. They wear the bow ties. Well, this is. I think that was the. It's just good. It's just <laughs> a good way to begin a whole other entrance of death into this podcast. Conspiracy theorist, guys. If we end up dead, it's because of this episode. But yeah. um But again, I just want to point out that I think we're able to recognize that the shooter was wearing a bow tie, not his face. This is like the hug thing. Like, yeah, what are exactly. you talking about? Yeah. How did you not? And in both cases, Tupac and Biggie both, not only were there witnesses, both of them happened in super crowded situations. One was on the Vegas Strip. One was uh, Wilshire and Fairfax Yeah, it's not the Zodiac. LA. I mean, it's like yeah. they, weren't, they weren't in the middle of a field. And they both had cars right? of associates behind them who would have both literally witnessed the killings. And, of course, in both cases, there's no witnesses. Everyone knows all the theories behind it. It was maybe Suge Knight. It was maybe the police. Maybe it was they killed each other. Uh, they had like their had beef hits on had them other. killed. Yeah. But we're going to put a big maybe around that. Great big maybe. While I was researching this, I, I come across a, a sentence on the Wikipedia page about Tupac's murder that says in 2011, the FBI released documents relating to their uh, via a freedom of information request act released documents relating to their investigation about the Jewish defense league extorting money from famous rappers via death threats. And I was like, it's a list. Huh? It's a, it was like a, you know, when I was reading it, it was like reading mad libs. Yeah. I was like, why, why are we going here? Insert name here. Yeah. Insert noun here. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you come up with Jewish Defense League. Yes. It was three Yeah, because the Jewish Defense League sounds like just like the ACLU or something. Like, oh, they must step in when... Yeah, right. but it's also like Munich era. Like, Jewish Defense yeah. League is not a 90s thing. By In in my mind, it wasn't. Right. They were a really active... I mean, they've, they've been labeled a terrorist group in yeah. the United States. They had their hobbies. They yeah. had their days. They did some bombings. Sure. But I... I, I see this in the wikipedia page and i click the source link and i'm like all right this is going to be like a fucking alex jones website or something <laughs> no it's no. fbi.vault.gov no. where the fbi themselves put up everything that they release of, uh, because of freedom of information requests and it's 84 pages of documents about how some shadowy individual working 
uh, in concert with the Jewish Defense League was extorting money from famous rappers. And they name Tupac and Easy E by name in this FBI document as both having been uh, targeted by the Jewish Defense League and extorted for money in the weeks before their death. My thing... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing, but go ahead. I don't know why either. I just love you. This could all. be like Pulitzer winning, whatever I'm about to say. Sure. Nipple sure. Prize winning, yeah. whatever I'm about to say. Clearly. Yeah, podcasts win the Pulitzer all the time. I think. <laughs> it's interesting that they would go after rappers because they seem... Like, they're pretty tough. Like, it seems like, why wouldn't yeah. you go after, like, I- a dolphin trainer or Carrie Underwood? <laughs> it's <laughs> interesting. Me and Carrie were talking about this earlier. Caitlin? Caitlin. Yeah, I, I pointed at Caitlin and said Carrie. It's but fine. I was looking at you. So it works. It all it all works. <laughs> it all works. That that one's Caitlin? <laughs> yes. You're Carrie. Yes. I'm Caitlin. Carrie with a C, Caitlin with a K. No, yes, I messed that sure. up on purpose. <laughs> Stressing me out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I okay, so we did have a conversation about this and about why they would target rappers. Initially, I was super confused because to me this seems like the weirdest. This to me in my mind is like Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart floating in my head. Like how like at first you look at it and you're like, "Why? I don't understand this relationship. Why are they together? Why do they see these things in each other?" But then the more we talked about it, the more, first of all, the more I actually understood the dynamic of what was actually happening here. Yeah. Should I run through? Uh, here's what. Yes, yes. Here are the events. And anyone can Google this and find this document. And throughout it, the person who's doing the extorting, they name the Jewish Defense League as being behind the operation. But the person actually carrying out the extortions is never named. His name is redacted all the way through it. But it's Suge Knight. Yeah, like you can I mean, tell you can tell yeah. from the documents that they're talking about. Yeah, it looks like in Jackass where Johnny Knoxville runs out of a barn totally naked and there's just that bar hanging over his dick. Like, yeah, that's what this feels like. Like, OK, yeah. I sure you can put that there. OK. Yeah, because at one point they talk about how this guy doing these extortions also uh, broke into Easy E's studio and roughed him up over a contract dispute. And that's literally a scene in Straight Outta Compton. Saw like, that movie. We know who you're talking about, FBI. By the way, that movie, I really feel like that was the best beginning of a movie that slowly devolved into a lifetime movie. Yeah. Like lifetime quality by the end of it. Yeah, it really did. When I really loved the first like hour of that movie. And then it was like it turned into this giant run in sentence, run on sentence with like a by Felicia joke. And yeah. then that was and then Easy E died. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Which one? Um Straight, Straight Out of Compton. Compton? I didn't get a chance to see it. I Come think on. you're talking about that airplane movie that Snoop Dogg was in. No, not Soul Plane. I'm here. Everything's <laughs> fine. Adam, just read the FBI file. Stay please. with me. Just read the FBI file, please. S- stay with me. She's Caitlin. here. Okay. She's here. She's great. We're good. That was funny, by the way. So it's okay. 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 We're good. I just, just I'm just I'm just glad that I had an opportunity to say no, not Soul Plane tonight. So yeah, that's yeah. that's good. You're having a good day when you get to bring up Soul Plane. So I know what I was thinking about. <laughs> Snoop Dogg used to produce porn in his backyard. Oh, sure, sure, sure. He <laughs> easy to confuse with straight out of Compton. I get it now. He would walk around in a clown suit while people had sex in his backyard. <laughs> What's happening? Adam Todd, you look it's four worse, o'clock in the morning. Tonight, we've you been doing this for six you hours. Had food poisoning. Oh, this podcast is cursed. It's not. 
It is yeah. now. I just cursed it. I know. That's what oh, I was doing. Right. That's all what right. I was. I was putting a curse on. Don't the put that curse on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad. I just liked every now and then when she says stuff that you. That is what's what's hap- What she's thinking about. <laughs> That's she needed to get it out, and I'm with her. I'm there in that moment, and also. And there were planes in Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> they flew places. Maybe, they didn't get to Detroit on foot. It's just crazy to come that far and end up producing porn, or at least knowing people that produce porn in their backyard while you wear a clown suit. And now he works with Martha Stewart. That was also the- producing clown porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. She yeah. could be in Connecticut. We don't know that she's not. You know, we don't know what happens there. A lot of square mileage. Hi, we're two non-doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We have a podcast. I don't know how we got it. Well, we're comedians. We stopped getting actual stage time, so we turned to the internet. We Um, have a lot of questions about health. We talk about what we want to know more about, and then we ask our fans to tell us if we're right. And we're very rarely right. We're never right. We've been learning a lot through Google. Our first episode is about Maria having misophonia, to me discussing dyslexia, stuff that people feel like they know a little bit about and want to know more about, to us discovering stuff neither of us knew much about like asmr my mom's on the show my mom is a veterinarian i'm pretty sure she's gonna replace us at some point we are on the unpops network they saw our potential and was like we think someday you guys will actually have value (laughs) which is an unpopular opinion (laughs) two non-doctors don't Don't listen listen to us (laughs) seriously guys we don't know what we're talking about so this is from the actual fbi document and this is apparently how the events go down. It says, during the interview, blank advised Ryder that, and then there's a whole paragraph blanked out, blank, blah, 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 and other yet unidentified, others yet unidentified have been extorting money from various rap music stars via death threats. The scheme involves blank and other subjects making telephonic death threats to the rap star. Subjects then intercede by contacting the victim and offering protection for a fee. The victim and their family are taken to a safe haven. So weird. Usually a private estate and are protected by gun-toting bodyguards associated with the Jewish Defense League. Like you do. Of course. The subjects convince the victim they have worked a deal out with the persons making the death threats and the threats cease. The victim then pays the subjects for the protection services rendered and resume their normal lifestyle with no fear of further death threats. And that's the kind of thing, like, uh, Randy Quaid. Yeah. I was going to say, something similar happened to him, right? Well, he said... He said, Randy Wade... Literally. Randy Quaid says there is a group that follows around uh, entertainers and threatens them uh, and extorts money from them. And everyone was like, (laughs) okay, Randy Quaid. And now here's the FBI saying, yeah, it happened to Tupac. That's I'm way different. Back. <laughs> Honestly, I think okay. So you're you're this mysterious extortionist group, the Jewish Defense League, right? And you go, hey, we need some extra cash. How do we do this? So, like, how do you pick? I mean, you'd have to pick someone like Randy Quaid or people that are used to not talking, right? And have stuff that they don't want said about them officially, right? So basically, it's like you wait around long enough, get enough dirt on him, which in their case wouldn't be that hard, I guess. Yeah, it wouldn't take that long. On Randy Quaid, you know, he seemed like a really buttoned up guy. So I'm assuming that would be a really hard. Uh, but not at the top of his game, like Tupac or Easy E, 
were. And it seems like a completely different demographic, but it, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, really it is, is a slightly different demographic, but if you're, slightly. but if you're, I mean, Randy Quaid was in a huge movies. I mean, he was in Independence yeah. Day and Christmas Vacation. I mean, he was in a lot of the National Lampoon movies. The guy had dough, I mean, for sure. So I think you just have to pick somebody who you know won't speak and has enough that they want covered up for that to work. But right. he did speak. He did speak. Yeah, but... Lo- and, and look what happened to him. Lives in Canada? Well, he's been... Uh, well, I think he's back here now. I think he was barred from going to Canada eventually. They kicked him Even out. Even Canada yeah. was like, look, we're trying to do something nice up here. I don't know, Randy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Randy Quaid anymore. Why did I think he died? Probably because we read this thing about how the Jewish Defense League <laughs> extorts money out of entertainers. I just think yeah. it's wild. Like, to me, this is such a weird... It's not impossible, and it's... I mean, here it's in some yeah, it's FBI. Perfectly fi- plausible. I know, but I just stand by the fact that this is—it's like not. This is weird. This is just really weird. Yeah, this is the kind of thing you hear rumors about, and you're like, no, no one's doing that. But, but people are doing but it. But then you find this thing. But and and we were talking earlier about how it seems like rappers would not be the prime target because rappers are tough and they have right. like entourages and shit. But as we've seen with all of these cases rappers also don't talk to the police yeah they and also even when their best friend has been shot and killed in front of them they do not talk to the police they could work on their communication skills a little bit a little but tupac also seemed like a nice guy yeah well, i mean i i think he was probably an easy guy to or not i mean maybe that's why he's dead because he just was like yeah no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna yeah. help you do that but yeah, it would it would make sense to me to target rappers because one, they don't talk to the police and also they're going to be too embarrassed. Kind of like no an American gonna, greed where, yeah, you yeah, get extorted. No and, one's going to make a rap song yeah, about how the Jewish pride. Defense League extorted $50,000. so nice too, like the Rotary Club. Yeah, they do. Well, okay. So I'm going to ask a question that I think I already know the answer to, but I feel like asking it anyway. So this, so this is happening to rappers and it happened mm-hmm. to Randy Quaid, allegedly. Right. So this means that it's happening to the 1%, just random wealthy yeah, people? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be happening to... Because I feel like they have far more... I mean... Because it's kind of a good scheme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a really good idea. Maybe that's why I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. It's a very simple plan. It's not that hard to figure out. Yeah. But what if this is like the mortgage bubble of 08, where it implodes at some point? Oh, was there an extortion bubble? I mean... I mean, I don't know. Like the big short? But like of the Jewish Defense League, like they maybe got they're in, gonna they they started they started selling like bad bad mortgages on their on their weird extortion bad, plots, bad defense bad debt, loans or bad, whatever. Got it. I'd like fifty put options on the <laughs> Jewish Defense League, please. To sell those at a later date. Just earmark that for me. Yeah, it's it's a really weird story. I would I also encourage wonder... people to go read this document if you don't want to sleep tonight. Yeah, it's this it's lengthy, is but. this is a creepy thing. It's also just creepy to look at. It looks like the opening sequence of Seven. It's like grainy yeah. and xeroxed and yeah, scanned and it's there's weird doodles and and circles in it. And one other thing that I want to say before we we we, we drop this is that yeah. I, I can't help but wonder how social media and like access to things like that have affected the Jewish Defense League's plan here because I personally. You're going to have to kill me. You're not going to extort me. The, right. But I'm going to blog the shit out of it first. And I'm going to... Someone in the Jewish Defense League is listening to this right now going, 
We'll see. <laughs> sure, because I'm worth all of that money. <laughs> um, if you want to take my student debt? Go ahead. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it would be harder to do something like this when you've got a Twitter account active all the time. And, or maybe that's just my weird false sense of security, which is totally possible. But here's the thing. Like, this is the kind of thing you hear about. Like I said, the Randy Quaid thing. You hear about it, and you're like, okay. Well, you, you hear about it because a guy that looks like Randy Quaid is in a bar yelling about it. That's how you hear about shit like this. That's, what right. this, that's the level that this is at. Right, and you hear about it, and you're like, yeah, whatever. You're a liar. But what about uh, there was the UFO expert. This was, I think I swear we talked about it on the show. There was the UFO expert. Oh, yeah, the guy that, like, died with weird bile coming out yeah, of his mouth? Yeah, he fired off a text to his mom and yeah. said, I'm in trouble, mm-hmm. and then just mysteriously dies with black stuff, with coming, black out of, stuff yeah. coming out of his mouth. Yeah. That guy was on social media. That guy was telling people he yeah. might be in trouble. I'm not saying you're not going to die. I'm just saying there Name might people. have been an interesting trail left behind in this case. Yeah. Because this is weird. That, yeah, it's super weird. Because it's not like somebody, like a, to me, this breaks out of whatever kind of fantasies we have about gang culture and takes it to a different level. This oh, is yeah. preying on an already preyed upon mindset. Yeah. So I can't imagine this lasting very long. Maybe they gave up after these guys. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't, but they call it organized crime for a reason. Like these are not gangsters. This is a crime. This is like eyes wide shut shit business. Got like it. this is how they make their money. And you know, it's, it's so outside the realm of possibility to think about, but then you see this document where like the FBI, it's 84 pages because they investigated this for a while. They didn't just like get a tip and sure. look into it and go, no, that's not true. There's details. If you get into it enough, there's like article, like they have magazine articles in here they were really researching this and they just, they black out the name of the person involved, but it really, it seems like it was Suge Knight and it's just so creepy. If we're going to talk about frenemies, I also just want to touch on very briefly the fact that Sean Combs did not come up once in this and him and Diddy used to be super tight. And Sean Combs and Diddy, they're the same person. Uh, I mean, Biggie. Oh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't catch it when she said that. I thought she was talking about me. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was uh, with you. I was so in it with you that I didn't even notice you said that. Yeah, that... Uh, well, he does, we didn't talk about the various theories around Tupac and Notorious Big, but well, he is mentioned in some... I brought him up only because I thought that P. Diddy and Biggie were as tight as Suge and Tupac, and then you supposed that possibly they were not that... Sh- yeah, I don't think Suge and yeah, I that, don't think Suge and Tupac were like that. That's one of the like they were boys. Yeah, they were. I, I don't mean, think Suge Knight is close with any yeah. living creature. I think Suge Knight's a sociopath. Yeah, like, Shug, I, I think he's yeah, a, oh, he very like yeah. a like a murderer, murderer, like yeah. a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a baddie yeah. that we can't kill. And the like the the main like that's one of the things that comes up a lot when they talk about Tupac's death is that he wanted to leave Death Row Records. He wasn't happy. And, you know, Tupac made more albums after he died than he did when he was alive. Yeah, exactly. So that is definitely motive for Suge Knight to step in and have him killed because he also knew 
Tupac just recorded relentlessly and had this huge catalog of unreleased music. Yeah, where music. was that going to go? Yeah, that if Tupac leaves, he's taking that with him. If Tupac dies on Death Row Records, then Suge Knight can just put out Tupac albums forever. So that's motive to extort him. Well, that would be motive so to have him. The, I, I just, I know. I, look, that's enough to just be like, you're going to die. I understand that part. I've, yeah. I've seen all the gangster movies, but... The extortion is just money. Like, this, that's always your Tupac, motive. Tupac, though, wrote a lot while he was in prison. So what the smart money would have been is to, like, plant cocaine or something, like, <laughs> under his spare tire in his car and then call the cops on him. Yeah. That's how you really get good art out of an artist is you put yeah. them in a confined space. That's how you do it. Adam knows that that's the case because that's where we are. We are in a confined space. That smells like chicken pot pie now. Yeah. Nose like a bloodhound. Yeah, we should. I wrote that down. We should wrap this up so I can eat. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I yes. just, just want to officially so go on the happy. record and say that I did not discover this weird FBI document that Adam did. <laughs> it's on the internet. I didn't discover it. All of you guys, it. but seriously, if you want a creepy read, you should totally check this document out because it says crazy shit for pages and pages and pages, pages and pages. Pages and pages. Yeah, there's a, there's a part where whoever this shadowy extortionist is, just walks up to a woman at a club and says, don't you know who I am? I'm with the Jewish Defense League, which would mean nothing to me before I read this Agreed. document. Me now neither. I'm terrified. I'd be like, what, you're yeah. a 70s terrorist? Get the fuck out of here, yeah. Carlos the Jackal. Yeah, what's with your bell bottoms? Back yeah. off. Where's Eric Bana, though? I'm into that. Yeah, why are you smoking in here? That's not allowed. Why? Yeah, Eric Bana. Why are you showing me all of that chest hair? It's weird. Yeah. Don't do that. Nice medallion, dude. Nice afro, man. But apparently that's not it. Apparently the Jewish Defense League is uh, very alive and well. And, and very contemporary, uh, although I'm sure there's a pinky ring involved. Oh, yeah, for Still. sure. At least well into the 90s, extorting famous rappers for money. We've traced it all the way up to 1997. Yeah. I'm proud of us. I would just like to say <laughs> that for the East Coast, West Coast wars, yeah. Adam and I are proudly from the Midwest. Yeah. So we have so no allegiance. Sweden in this yeah. is what I'm yeah. hearing. Okay. Well. We are... Sweden I'm or Switzerland? Switzerland. 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 You're Switzerland. Yeah. Also Sweden. Also I don't, Sweden. I don't what see do they do? In, I don't see them in a lot of They're things. They're not winning wars. I'm definitely West Coast. It is what it is. <sighs> yeah. That was Caitlin Cut C-U-T-T. They, um, they don't need me. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm no. Nobody wants me on their team, even in dodgeball. Those wars are over anyway. They're over. All right. We did it. We talked about unsolved rap murders. We did it. This was a fun episode. And we, we, Both we, versions of it. it. Risked life and limb getting here. <laughs> we risked life and limb. Ah, uh, the amount of times that Adam Todd looked exasperated with us. Pot pies were made. Me. Pot pies. Uh, we what? stopped recording and had to start recording again. We may or may not be killed because of this episode. Oh, we will. Can you imagine for this? That'd be like killed by because of somebody with a name like 50 Cent. That'd be yeah. as disappointing. Yeah, that'd be very disappointing. All right. Oh, well. All right. We should get out of here.